It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. Today, I want to give the nation advance notice that the coming days are likely to see some hard but necessary decisions. Nicola Sturgeon is riding high in the opinion polls, despite some trying political circumstances. If we want to avoid another full-scale lockdown, which all of us do, doing nothing almost certainly isn't an option. But bubbling away in the background of her leadership is a Scottish political story of a very different kind. There was a time he was the most powerful politician in Scotland, but for the last two weeks it's been a jury in control of his future, and now they've cleared Alex Salmond of sexual assault charges. Scotland's top civil servant, Leslie Evans, is expected to be the first witness to give evidence to a special committee of MSPs. Scotland's former First Minister, Alex Salmond, has threatened to drop a political bombshell on Holyrood that could have a lasting impact on the Scottish dream of independence. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Salmondites versus Sturgeonites, the future of Scotland. It was absolutely extraordinary. Kieran Andrews is the Scottish political editor of The Times. And I say that as somebody who's covered quite a lot of extraordinary moments in Scottish politics in the last five or six years, but this was quite something. Cast your minds back to the very beginning of 2019, before coronavirus hijacked our lives. Theresa May was still Prime Minister. The former First Minister of Scotland, Alex Salmond, hadn't yet faced criminal charges but he had just emerged victorious from a judicial review. There was an almighty scrum outside the Court of Session in Edinburgh, which is the highest court in the land in Scotland. The government accepted institutional responsibility. Not personal, but institutional responsibility. According to that ruling, the Scottish government had unlawfully handled sexual misconduct complaints against Alex Salmond the former First Minister and former leader of the SNP. And Alex Salmond at that point used this press huddle to call for the resignation of Leslie Evans, who is the Permanent Secretary, the most senior civil servant in Scotland. And therefore I suggest that the Permanent Secretary to the Scottish Government now accepts that responsibility and considers her position. As he stood outside in the brisk, wintry afternoon, Alex Salmond held forth. The last time I was in that court... 
It was to be sworn in as First Minister of Scotland. I never thought it possible that at any point I'd be taking the Scottish Government to court. I was at the back of this rather large scrum using my height to, you know, stand on my tiptoes and, and peer over people and and try and get a, a look at Alex Salmon, try and get my dictaphone in place to record what he was saying. Because the process has been agreed as unlawful, as unfair and tainted by apparent bias, then the Scottish Government have had to concede on the case and on the expenses to the maximum extent. This is a man who was First Minister, who's leading the Scottish Government, who led it, you know, pretty close towards independence. And now, less than six years down the line, he is at war with that administration that, that he used to lead. And at that point, that was his declaration of war on the Scottish government itself. He said that there was information that, you know, that, that was still to come out that was even more damning for the government. Almost two years on, and we're still not entirely clear what that information is. But we are in the midst of an ongoing inquiry at the Scottish Parliament, which might just find out. And it felt at that point like it was the beginning of something. The story about the allegations of sexual misconduct became public in August 2018. The Daily Record newspaper reported that there had been allegations of sexual misconduct made against Alex Salmond by two female civil servants. This followed um, the Scottish Government implementing a new retrospective harassment policy in the wake of Me Too. From there... Two court cases emerged. One, a criminal case against Alex Salmond, where he was eventually charged with 13 counts of sexual assault. The Scottish Government have described it as harassment. So I want to be absolutely clear I haven't harassed anyone and I'm not guilty of any criminality whatsoever. And in March 2020, acquitted of all charges. The other was a civil case. Alex Salmon challenged the government's harassment policy and its implementation, and he won. Really, the fallout from the civil case has led to a separate inquiry in the Scottish Parliament to find out exactly why the government decided to change the policy, if the policy itself is flawed, and why the policy's application with regards to the investigation into Alex Salmon was ruled unlawful. That inquiry is underway now, officially titled The Holyrood Committee on Scottish Government Handling of Harassment Complaints. It's essentially a what-went-wrong exercise. The government deciding that it needed to update its harassment policy, which included a move to allow retrospective complaints against former ministers, which was the mechanism ultimately used to submit complaints against Alex Hammond. It's trying to establish whether the procedure that was put in place was legitimate and whether it was established for the right reasons. And it is trying to establish why it was not applied in a lawful way. You know, was this 
a muddle or was it a fiddle? Cock up or conspiracy? So it's not intended to be a rerun of whether or not Alex Salmond did anything wrong. The courts have ruled on that. It's not a retrial of Alex Salmond. This is where we are going to discover the thought process within the Scottish government. It's that thought process that Alex Salmond maintains was aimed at one thing, and that was to essentially get him and bring him down. It should have been a simple investigation. What was it that the Scottish government actually did wrong that has led to these endless inquiries? The main feature of the ruling against the Scottish government was that its investigating officer into the allegations had had prior contact with the women who were making complaints against Alex Salmond. This opened the door to the possibility and the Scottish government stresses the word apparent in this, that the process, the investigation was tainted by apparent bias because the person ruling whether or not the claims were you know, accurate and warranted further action was the same person who had spoken to the women and advised them on whether or not to complain. The government says that didn't make any difference to how the procedure was followed and that it was followed properly. The court's Rule differently. So what was this damning information that Alex Salmond had threatened to reveal? It's taken a little longer than expected to find out. The information that we were expecting to come out quite quickly after the civil case, you know, no one was able to go near that quite rightly because there was ongoing criminal proceedings. Literally on the evening that Alex Salmond was cleared, Britain moved into lockdown. Many of you will know there are certain evidence that I would have liked to have seen led in this trial, but for a variety of reasons we were not able to do so. At some point, that information, that facts and that evidence will see the light of day. Which meant that only in the last few weeks have people been able to focus their attention on exactly what Alex Salmond was driving at, exactly how the Scottish Government behaved. And watching that that moment, standing on, on the street and fighting to be part of the scrum, did it feel odd from everything, you know, you've, you've, you've followed Scottish politics for a long time. Did you ever think you'd see Alex Salmond in that position? Well, the last time I had been part of a scrum with Alex Salmond on that exact square was in 2014, where he was there with a group of EU citizens who were backing independence. And it, it was completely surreal to be there again, just... And almost the, the, the polar opposite, this was Alex Salmond, rather than making the positive political case for independence and, and fighting the UK government, this was him now turning his fire on the Scottish government. Alex Salmond is Scottish politics' most successful comeback kid. Leading the Scottish National Party all through the 90s, Alex Salmond is credited with turning the SNP into a mainstream, professional political party. It stood for something wider than independence, albeit with independence at its core. He resigned a few years into the, the Scottish Parliament and went back down to Westminster only to resurface in 2005, this time having persuaded Nicola Sturgeon, who was running for the SNP leadership at that time, to stand aside and instead be his running mate, his deputy. He returned as SNP leader in 2005. He led the party into its first ever 
election victory in 2007 when they were a minority government at the Scottish Parliament. He led them to a majority victory in 2011, the only time there's been a majority government in the Scottish Parliament. And he led them into the Scottish independence referendum. He then resigned. He said for the second time in his career that he had no intention of coming back to the front line. And a year later popped up to be elected as the MP for Gordon, the northeast of Scotland. What has struck me more than anything else is that in the weeks since the referendum, people in Scotland have refused to give up hope. For those who voted yes, the possibility remains of real change. And therefore, with so much commitment among the people and with so much at stake for Scotland, I think it's impossible to stand on the sidelines. So in this uh, sunny day in Ellen, uh, I can now tell you that I am a candidate for the SNP nomination for the Gordon constituency. It's at that point that his relationship with Nicola Sturgeon begins to fracture. And, ah. you know, some of the seeds that are now being sown in terms of the internal divisions within the SNP really, you know, that, that's when they're planted. And do we know why? Do we, do we know what caused the initial falling out? The chief executive of the party, which is the most senior unelected position in the party, is a man called Peter Morell, who is Nicola Sturgeon's husband. That means that you have the two most senior figures within the SNP are married. It's understood that Alex Salmond warned Nicola Sturgeon that that was an untenable uh, situation to, you know, even just for appearances, to appear to be too close at the top end and for a lack of accountability on either office. From Nicola Sturgeon's point of view, both she and those close to her became increasingly frustrated about Alex Salmon's interventions on policy matters that they felt he should stay quiet about when he was an MP. He quite often would appear on television and make statements about tactics around approaching a second independence referendum, which were seen as unhelpful by Nicola Sturgeon. The relationship essentially fractured to a point that is close to being beyond repair, if not if not quite there, when Alex Salmond signed up to host a chat show on RT, the Kremlin-backed TV station. We've received an avalanche of tweets and emails. First up, a tweet from Ella Loren, who asks, so why RT? Well, Ella... I have total editorial control and RT offers an international platform. So why not RT? It was hugely controversial and Nicola Sturgeon thought that that undermined the credibility of the SNP, the Scottish Government on Foreign Affairs at precisely a time where it is trying to do some soft lobbying of uh, the European Union and other countries it sees as potential international allies if Scotland were to become independent. The whole time that he was First Minister and she was his deputy, that was being geared up for Nicola Sturgeon to learn the ropes of government, to to learn how, you know, to watch Alex Hammond essentially lead a party, something he had experience of before, all geared towards her becoming the next leader of the SNP and the next First Minister. I wouldn't want to overstate how close they were personally because they are very different people, but they were very close politically. And Nicola Sturgeon has said publicly how much of her career she owes to to Alex Salmond and how much she learned from him. And he, he rates her incredibly highly as a politician. There was a real warmth between them, but that has all but evaporated now. Welcome to 
Welcome to the fourth meeting of the Scottish Government Handling of Harassment Complaints Committee. We will move straight on to our evidence session today on phase one of the inquiry. Which How far are we into this latest inquiry and what have we learnt so far? It's been a bit like drawing teeth to try and draw all of the documentation, all of the information out of the government. And one example of this was at a recent evidence session Leslie Evans, the Permanent Secretary, was asked if she had held any meetings about the judicial review, the civil court case, with special advisers. She said that she couldn't remember anything about that. And in the next day's times, we were able to reveal by virtue of a freedom of information request that the Scottish Government had published a year ago that Leslie Evans actually met with Nicola Sturgeon and her Chief of Staff and the council to discuss the case. Ah. Yeah, it's that kind of thing that leads the committee to question whether senior figures in the Scottish Government are coming to the committee poorly briefed, with shaky memories, or whether they are arriving with um, with selective memories and are not telling the the whole truth, as it were. Yeah. Is, is there a lot of short-term memory loss? Occasionally, committee sessions have felt like an exercise in how many ways can somebody say, I'm not sure or I can't remember. (laughs) Right down to the Lord Advocate, who is the most senior legal advisor to the Scottish Government, who found variations of ways of saying, I'm sorry, I can't tell you that because it was private legal advice. Oh, wow. It, It doesn't feel like the committee is getting everything it's asking for at the moment. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. All episodes of Queenie premiere June 7th, streaming on Hulu. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this inquiry, is it the civil servants who are most implicated? Or could this actually sort of end up leading to Nicola Sturgeon's door? 
it's the civil servants who are being examined in the first instance. It's their actions around the procedures and how the complaints were handled that are under the microscope. But the same questions that were there when the allegations against Alex Hammond first emerged still remain to this day. And that is, what did Nicola Sturgeon know and when did she know it? And depending on the answers to those questions, that could bring this firmly to the First Minister's door. She has told the Scottish Parliament that the first she was aware of the Scottish Government investigation was when he visited her house in April 2018. What we know from a witness statement to the criminal case is that a man called Jeff Aberdeen, who was Alex Salmon's Chief of Staff when he was First Minister, met with Nicola Sturgeon in her office in the Scottish Parliament three days before Alex Salmond visited Nicola Sturgeon's home. That really calls into question why he would be there. Mr Aberdeen travelled with Alex Salmond to Nicola Sturgeon's home for that meeting and there are some people who would suggest that it stretches the bounds of credibility that the subject of the meeting that Alex Salmond wanted to have at Nicola Sturgeon's home was not discussed in that meeting in the Scottish Parliament. And Nicola Sturgeon has said that she entirely stands by her statement and she looks forward to giving her side of the story when she gives evidence. That should be noted, but it'll be fascinating to try and disentangle exactly who said what and who knew what. The question of whether she has misled Parliament is the most dangerous question for Nicola Sturgeon in all of this. Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmond are expected to address the committee directly in around October or November, with the exact dates yet to be announced. We are still waiting to really to see exactly what respective uh, politicians are going to deploy as their arguments. And how much is this already affecting the party? The SNP are still riding high in the polls. Nicola Sturgeon is still very popular with the public at large and within the SNP. Of course, some of that is because of the way she has presented herself and handled the coronavirus pandemic. We had a poll for the Times Scotland recently, which asked people to you know, give their verdict on what they thought of all of the Scottish political leaders, including Nicola Sturgeon, but we also included Alex Salmond. And both within the public at large and within the SNP, quite strikingly, Nicola Sturgeon was extremely popular and Alex Hammond scored a a negative rating. So at the moment, these splits are not, you know, I, I actually don't think that they have permeated down to the membership, but there's certainly a split among some elected members. We're still to hear Alex Hammond and Nicola Sturgeon's side of the story. And if either one of them decides to get personal against the other. And, you know, there's been some warning shots fired from both camps. Things could change very quickly. What are people expecting? It depends on two things. One is whether the information that Alex Salmond says he has is as devastating for the Scottish government as we are led to believe it is, whether he has decided that he still wants to essentially go for the nuclear option and reveal the sort of evidence that could be extremely damaging for the leadership of the SNP, particularly when polls in Scotland are showing a pretty consistent 
narrow majority for independence. The committee will be the first time he has spoken publicly, will be the first time that we will have sight of this evidence, and that will be when we find out exactly who is in Alex Salmon's sights and who he is prepared to take down. Now, at, at this stage, it does seem as if these two characters, Alex Salmon and Nicholas Sturgeon, are between them pretty much determining the future of the SNP. And you know, you've said that there are factions within the party. What do those two factions represent? What are the differences between them? Personality, mainly. They're not necessarily driven by different ideologies. They have the same beliefs. They should be in the same camps, but they, they don't like each other or they don't like Nicola Sturgeon or they don't like Alex Salmond. And that is the overriding difference. I suppose one of the fault lines probably the most obvious fault line is the question over whether Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP leadership is doing enough to drive Scotland towards a second independence referendum. There are people who think that Nicola Sturgeon is being too cautious. She submitted two requests to the UK government for the powers to be transferred to the Scottish Parliament. The UK Parliament holds powers over the constitution under the devolution settlement but Nicola Sturgeon has been repeatedly told that the UK government will just not transfer those powers. Both Theresa May and Boris Johnson said that to Nicola Sturgeon. There are some within the party who say that she should be looking at alternative ways of being able to hold a referendum, be it through court challenges, be it through examining whether Scotland could just call a referendum and then begin negotiations if there's a yes vote after that in a Catalonia style uh, vote which is something the SNP leadership is just not considering at all and will refuse to consider. Equally those around Nicola Sturgeon are pointing to the polls and saying look the support for independence is increasing. The trends over the last six months in particular are that the Scottish population appears to be moving closer and closer to backing independence and that shows that her approach is working and it means that if when there's a referendum they say when there's a referendum you know that means they'll win it rather than calling one too early that hacks people off and leads to what would be a pretty devastating second defeat. So really the the personalities of these two characters could decide the future for Scottish independence? Very much so. If Nicola Sturgeon ends up damaged by this to a degree that she feels she cannot sail on as First Minister, and now I appreciate that is extremely debatable at the moment, if that happens, the big problem for the SNP is they don't really have anyone waiting in the wings, unless Alex Hammond was to decide he wanted to assume a Frank Sinatra-like role and come back one just, just for one more encore. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, is there a, is there a chance that he will be going into this inquiry, deciding what he says and who he implicates, and at the back of his mind, he will be thinking of whether this is a launchpad for his career restarting. People close to Alex Salmond have been generally pretty keen to play down the idea that he is gearing up for a return to politics. They insist that. He may want things to change at the top of the SNP. He may prefer it if the SNP not angling for a comeback. But this is Alex Hammond. He said it before, never rule anything out with Alex Hammond. He could be back. You never know. Stranger things have happened. 
And so this this inquiry, which sort of starts off as an almost HR Me Too matter, what are the potential consequences for Scotland coming out of this? If this damages Nicola Sturgeon or the SNP to a degree that you know they either fail to win a majority in next May's Scottish parliamentary elections or Nicola Sturgeon ends up no longer being leader of the SNP or First Minister, then this could entirely change the course that Scotland appears to be on at the moment, which is a slow march towards a second independence referendum that I think many on the pro-UK side would argue would be quite difficult for them to win. However, if Nicola Sturgeon comes out of it pretty much unscathed, if she is able to unite the SNP and the independence movement around her plan, then it just solidifies her position and moves the party and the independence movement ever closer to their dream. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Kieran Andrews, the Scottish political editor of The Times. You can read more of Kieran's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ketzer. If you can, please do leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and now we're also available on the Times radio app, along with all the other podcasts from the Times. To download the app, search for Times Radio in the App Store. See you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from the Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>